Hi, everyone. As I shared, I am more than happy to provide more context and answer questions after episodes. And I am so grateful for everyone who has reached out with really thoughtful questions. And I'm really grateful for your willingness to spend some time with us each week. You know, I know the podcasts are kind of long in length, um, but it's, you know, wanting to pack as much information as we can. And I know it's a lot. So keep the questions coming, y'all, like seriously, like I just want to make sure that you're getting the information that you're seeking because there's just so much at play here that it can get a little lost. So here are some questions that I have received uh, via our Instagram DMs. So our Instagram is HOD podcast if you would like to send a question. And, you know, it's funny because I wanted to call it the HOTD podcast, you know, hair of the dog, right? But that's taken because of House of the Dragon. So for all my Game of Thrones friends out there, uh, it was taken and, but it was happily taken in a way because when I watched House of the Dragons, this, the first season, I, it was so emotional for me because it essentially mirrors what I'm going through. It mirrors my story. So I, <laughs> I'm so excited so excited for the second season. Um, I mean, I haven't read the books, but there are people who have read the books that are very, you know, forthcoming about what happens in the books, but I am still excited. And it was just such an interesting experience to watch literally my narrative happen in like the Game of Thrones universe. So, and we used to joke about that, you know, my dad loved Game of Thrones and we can go deeper into that because there's just a lot there, you know, even before he died, you know, I had sent him some Game of Thrones face masks and uh, he used to wear the House of Targaryen one and he wore that face mask to his one and only chemo treatment and he sent me a picture of it. So Game of Thrones, he probably loved it because he probably viewed our family and our life as Game of Thrones. <laughs> And um, we loved it. You know, that was something we watched together and we just really adored it, you know. And so it's interesting how he, my dad dies and then this narrative from House of the Dragon comes out. So all that to say, that is why the Instagram tag is HOD podcast instead of HOTD because that was already taken. But like I said, it was happily taken because I love that show. So getting back on track with the questions, I have, I think about seven questions. So I got a really sweet question of Simone. How are you? Like for real, how are you doing with all this? And <laughs> I really appreciate that question. I'm doing well. Like I've said, it ebbs and flows. There are days where I have panic attacks and struggle. There's some high stress days. Uh, I'm super transparent that I have some medical conditions and it has impacted those medical conditions, at least kind of off and on in the past. And then there's days where I have really deep inner peace that everything will be okay. And that has been my mantra through this whole thing is that I know, you know, whatever divine forces, the universe at play, they're going to take care of me and I will be okay. Um, but I did struggle before the lawsuit was actually filed just because there was so much unknown. I wasn't sure what direction it was going to go in. So now it's in a place where it's in the appropriate channel. So it's a tiny bit easier to manage. 
but I'm still really deep in this. I'm calling it a bizarre grief process where like, I haven't been able to grieve, but then I have these moments of really deep grief. And it just, I mean, I think that happens for anyone grieving. Like it just kind of strikes at weird places, but it has just been a process that I haven't been able to emotionally kind of confront because all my emotions have to go and all my energy has to go into this lawsuit. So, but like I said, I've had, I have a really strong support network and I'm hanging in there and just trying to keep a positive mindset. So this next question really blew me away and I actually had a lot of thoughts about it. And the person who sent it is so sweet. And I asked for a little time to kind of think about the question and, you know, do some soul searching. So I'll read the question I got over Instagram. It says, thank you for sharing your experiences. And I'm so sorry you went through and are going through all the craziness. It sounds like a lot. I'm glad to hear that you have some good support around you. I have a question if you don't mind me asking. I have always felt that my dad has narcissistic traits too. Sometimes I have trouble finding that love for him. How did you still find love with your dad? How did you make peace with the narcissistic side of him, but also having the space to love him despite all the craziness and not be worried about being taken advantage of? I know every father-daughter relationship is different, so I don't know if what I'm saying applies, but thank you for sharing. This has all been very interesting. So first of all, thank you so much for sending that question. And I had responded to this person and I answered it in some ways, but I was like, you know what, let me do some soul searching because I want to give the most, I guess, meaningful and authentic answer that I can. So I was like, you know what, let me (laughs) give me some time. So first of all, I am so sorry that you're experiencing narcissistic traits with your father. I wish I could give you a big hug and just say, you're not alone. Like everything that you feel, your experience is so real. And it's hard because it it is easier in some ways putting a name to it. Like, oh, it's a narcissistic personality type. It can make it a little easier to process, but that never takes away from that past, present, future, emotional pain or trauma. Because one thing I've noticed about narcissists is that they really don't change. And I, I don't know, maybe there's some success stories out there. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying as of like my experience, you know, I don't think they change. And yes, it does make it easier to have a name for what you're experiencing and what they're putting out into the universe, but it doesn't negate your experience. It doesn't, you know, make it okay. It doesn't justify. It's still horrible stuff. So I really wish I could give you a big hug and just share. I'm sorry. And hopefully as this podcast moves forward, we can kind of create a community of support for these types of relationships. Um, But I hope you're able to have access to resources to help and have a strong support network to help you process through that experience. But um, from one perspective, I knew my dad had a horrible childhood. He was very, very abused. And, you know, I found some pictures of him. I think he would have been about eighth or ninth grade. And I remember showing it to my sibling and my sibling said he was haunted even then. And you can see this look in my dad's eyes where it's just like, you knew he was an abused child. And so I really think if he had a stable childhood, he would have been a different person. 
And in that way, I kind of always saw my dad as a broken child who really desperately needed unconditional love, even if he made choices that didn't deserve it. (laughs) We all know he made some crazy life choices. Even when he first left, when I was about 14 years old, I remember a friend asking me if I hated him. And I'm shocked at how, (laughs) I mean, I was so young, 14, right? I was shocked at my response when I look back on it, where I said, I don't hate him. I just hate what he did. And that's kind of something that is echoed by me, my mom, my sibling. And those who know me in real life know that I love caring for others. I'm definitely the mom friend. I am always asking people if they ate. Uh, So it's just in my nature to kind of see past what people have done and see them for who they are as a human being. So for me, that meant a commitment to loving my father unconditionally, no matter what. And I know that is, there's definitely some pushback with that. And I get that, but that was my decision and it made sense for me. And I would check in with myself about how I felt about it. And it just was something that made sense for me to do in terms of my own growth and who I wanted to be as a person. So in terms of being taken advantage of, I was in a place where I really didn't care if he did. It was my, I felt like it was my ethical obligation almost to show this man unconditional love no matter what. And there were times where I feel I was used as a pawn in some situations, but for the most part, my dad actually did respect my boundaries, which is (laughs) shocking. (laughs) You know, when you consider narcissist, he, he did respect my boundaries at times. But at the end of the day, I had the luxury of knowing that my father loved me as much as a narcissist can. You know, I actually never questioned his love for me, even when he left, even with the bigamy thing, you know, amidst all that craziness, I actually never questioned if he loved me. It was just, I knew he did, but I knew he was also making bad decisions, you know, as a result of his childhood, having this narcissistic personality disorder. So for me, it was just for my own, you know, soul journey and my own growth and just for my own happiness, it was important for me to give him that unconditional love. So it was very much a conscious choice on my part. And again, I totally hear, (laughs) get the pushback on it, but that was just what made sense for me then. And it makes sense for me now, but Every relationship is different. And I definitely want to acknowledge that every person is different. Your experiences, your personality, everything is different. So if being taken advantage of is present in the relationship and it feels unhealthy, if it makes you feel icky, then of course, put those boundaries up. You can always have unconditional love from afar and have those boundaries. In terms of making peace with his narcissist side, you know, that's a really good question. It's so interesting to think about because he hurt so many people and people even died as a result of his actions. Um, And there will be more about that later. Don't worry, y'all. Like we've said, we've got lots of content here. So I'm not sure if I ever made peace with what he did, but I did make peace with who he is as a person or who he was as a person. So I recognize that everything kind of circles back to childhood trauma for him. And I know those traumas and they will be discussed because I think it's, it's important in unpacking and peeling back those layers of the onion of what a narcissist is. And I know there's ongoing discussions about nature versus nurture. We definitely want to go into that, but 
you know, looking at my dad as a case study of sorts, I don't feel he was born a narcissist. I feel like he became one to survive. And that was something he frequently said to me. If he made bad decisions, he would kind of try to justify it by saying I was trying to survive. So again, every relationship, every person is an individual. I think narcissism can express itself differently depending on the dynamics, person, experience. It can be different across the board. But with me and my dad, it was so important for me to love him unconditionally, no matter what. So again, I don't agree with his choices. Oh, Lord, no. Um, messy, very messy. But I, I really did love my dad. All right, the next question. This was an interesting one. Um, how do you feel about Priscilla Presley and her will dispute with Lisa Marie's estate? So for those of you who don't know, Elvis, right? Elvis Presley. Entertainer, like just such a pop culture icon, right? He was married to Priscilla Presley. I believe they got married in the, oh gosh, mid, late 60s. And then they later divorced probably about, I think like 1974 or five. And Elvis died, I think in like 1977. So feel free to correct me if I've got my years wrong. But Priscilla and Elvis had one daughter, Lisa Marie. And Lisa Marie unfortunately recently died in January. And she had children, but, you know, that family has had so many tragedies, so much trauma that, you know, I, in a weird way, kind of get it. I'm like, you know, my family's been through a lot too. So I like, I just feel like I understand them on a soul level. Um, although my dad was definitely not Elvis, although he probably fancied himself as Elvis in GI Blues when Elvis is in Germany. My dad did his um, military career in Germany as well. So I'm sure he fancied himself being Elvis, but yeah, definitely not. So, but my family is Southern, you know, we are huge Elvis Presley fans and we would go to Graceland. We would go to Tupelo, Mississippi to see the house where Elvis was born in. And everyone in my family, we all have a favorite Elvis movie. And my dad and I used to have these massive Elvis movie marathons. Like my goodness, like people will be like, oh yeah, Jailhouse Rock. And I'm just like, yeah, what about Spin Out and Tickle Me? Like the deep cuts of Elvis's film career. So we were pretty, pretty strong Elvis fans. But I think Elvis's estate and Graceland survived because of Priscilla. So even though they were divorced, when he passed, his entire estate was left to his child, Lisa Marie, but it was put in trust with Priscilla. And I think Priscilla is a wonderful businesswoman, and she worked so hard to keep Elvis's legacy going because at the time the estate was in disarray, you know, Graceland, it, it, there was a, I guess a point where Graceland, you know, might, might've been sold, for example. But she had enough sense to kind of open up Graceland as like a museum of Elvis and whatnot and really built up Elvis's legacy for Lisa Marie. So I am sad that the family has these legal issues going with the will because Priscilla is contesting Lisa Marie's will. But it does sound like legally, and again, I'm not an attorney, but it does sound like that one of the biggest parts of Lisa Marie's will is that any changes or any amendments that were made had to be reported to Priscilla Presley. And she is alleging that they were not. So if that's true, then it's it's worth examining, right? And she thinks that Lisa's signature doesn't match. And again, I am like, okay, then that's worth examining. So some people are saying it's a money grab. 
Some people could say my situation's a money grab, but it's worth examining. You know, if you think anything's fishy off or doesn't make sense or doesn't track with that person, then just look at it, you know, and unfortunately it does cause, you know, rifts and families and things like that. But I stand by kind of the ethical part of I'd rather have it looked at than not. So I am really sorry that they're going through that. But again, if something's off, it needs to be examined. And will contests are actually pretty rare. So in the grand scheme of everything, they're pretty rare. And from some lawyers, it seems that Priscilla has a relatively strong case. I just hope that she is able to just navigate it well with the family dynamics. And it's hard when tragedy strikes and someone passes and then this legal stuff happens. So I'm like, I've been there, Priscilla. I've been there. <laughs> so we are huge press Elvis Presley fans. So I found that to be a really interesting question and really appreciate it. So the next question, I am so blown away by all of this. How has justice not been served? And that was with multiple exclamation points. It seems so obvious what she has done. And I don't disagree, but also there's a process for these things and it typically takes time. And at times justice isn't served. I mean, look at OJ Simpson, look at, there's a wide variety, Casey Anthony, you know, there's a wide variety of cases where people felt strongly that justice would and should be served. And then it really wasn't. So I, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And that's something I've had to reconcile with myself that, you know, justice may not happen in this case. And that's okay. You have to release that energy. I think it's unhealthy to kind of attach to an outcome, essentially. So you have to release it and just know that karma is real. It's out there. And, you know, I, I do think people get what's coming to them at the end of the day. I really do. But you got to let go of those outcomes. And yeah, kind of a <laughs> It's been something I've had to learn through this whole process. So the next question, it sounds like your dad's attorney has a personal vendetta against you and your family. Why is that? That is possible. I just know he's known for being like a not nice person and he struggles with alcoholism. And what I think is that when he takes a case in litigation, he has a very strong us versus them stance and just goes really hard with that. So with me being in proximity to my mom, I'm also on the them side. So I think it's just that. I think he's just kind of a grumpy old man and has this us versus them kind of thing. And that's it. Um, I, I don't know. I can't say. Maybe it's deeper. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Just based on everything that I know, I can just say he just seems like he's kind of a grumpy old man. But, you know, we'll see how everything unfolds. So the next question is more related to my dad's history, and it's a good question. What did your dad do for a living? He was high up on the ladder of a major global oil company. And I just have to say, I'm from New Orleans. We say oil really, really weird. You're probably like, what is that word? It's oil, but we say oil. <laughs> There's some other words that you can tell if someone is from New Orleans. I won't go into those right now, but maybe in a future podcast. Um, so just, just as a preface for that. So he worked on oil rigs in Nigeria primarily, but all over the world. And then later he worked as a very senior product manager. So he really excelled with his career. 
He won a lot of awards. And to this day, I get messages from some of the men he worked with saying, gosh, Simone, your dad was a legend. So he loved that Ulrig life. And that was his thing. And I think some narcissists experience great career success. And yeah, he loved it. And I'm thinking about a podcast about I don't want to just close the company he worked for because they're obviously a part of these legal proceedings, but more about that lifestyle because it is a very interesting, very dangerous, very political, very fascinating, fascinating line of work. So the next one isn't so much a question as much as it is a statement. And it says, I'm really appreciative of how open and candid you are about your family and narcissism. Most people prefer to keep things hidden. I really thank you for being open and you're so, so welcome. We're Southerners and we always have a joke that we don't hide our skeletons in a closet. We put it out in the street in a Mardi Gras parade and we give it a drink. So we're very open about what's gone on. It's never been a big secret. It's not something that I tend to lead off. You know, when I meet someone, I'm not like, oh, by the way, here's my whole family history. No, but if it comes up in context or in conversation, I'm just very open, transparent, because I think it's so critical in this day and age to talk about family and narcissism and mental health and how it impacts everyone and things like that. So I am so, I just, yeah, I just love being a transparent person. That's who I am. I think that's how you build really meaningful relationships. And I think that's how you build resilience in communities ultimately is just by sharing your stories and finding those common grounds and finding that support and just knowing that you're not alone in these experiences. And I think that builds up that resiliency. So thank you again for the questions and the last statement. That was a great one. Um, I really appreciate it, y'all. So I hope you all are having a great week and we'll be back next week. And if there's, like I said, if there's anything like super and specific that you would like to know about an upcoming podcast, like feel free to reach out. We're so flexible. Like I, like I've said, I wasn't sure how to structure this because there's just so much content that we're trying to do it in the most like I guess the priority is the lawsuit and kind of going all over the pieces of that. And, but then there's so much more besides that. So it's been a little challenge trying to figure out what goes in where a lot of people have expressed interest in how my parents met and kind of what their story is. And that's actually one of my favorite parts of this. They had a very Liz Taylor, Richard Burton kind of relationship. So that might be the next episode is just kind of going back into that history and talking a little bit more about it. So again, thank you so much for listening and I hope you all have a fabulous day and a fabulous week.